Chapter 13 Resource Management Section 13a Overview Introduction With the constant focus on efficiency, the Air Force must get the greatest return from every investment. People are one of the most important resources. This chapter provides valuable information to consider when managing resources and personnel. Also, everyone must safeguard Air Force property and protect it from fraud, waste, and abuse. And resource management requires all members to be sensitive to environmental issues. This chapter provides an overview of resource management and identifies many of the Air Force environmental programs. Section 13b Traits of a Healthy Team Introduction As leaders, we must develop effective teams to accomplish the mission. While building effective teams, we must cultivate a healthy team spirit. The spirit in which a team operates influences every stage of team development and can ultimately determine whether mission goals are met. A healthy team spirit is the engine that runs high performance teams. Five critical attributes are present in all healthy teams trust, ethical behavior, critical judgment, sharing, and cooperation. While each is essential in building a healthy team spirit, trust is the core of all healthy team interaction. Trust Trust is essential in forming any good relationship. Teamwork requires good relationships with a high degree of trust. Team members must share mutual confidence in the integrity and ability of teammates. They also need to feel comfortable enough to take risks, think outside the box, and share their thoughts and ideas without fear of being shut down or discounted. Freedom to communicate openly, honestly, and directly within the group is the hallmark of a trust based team. Individuals must understand the importance of utilizing effective communication skills to develop the level of trust needed for the teams to grow. These communication skills include positive listening habits, such as maintaining good eye contact, recalling essential information, allowing individuals to speak freely with minimal to no interruptions, as well as responding in the appropriate manner. In her book, Teams at Work, author, organizational consultant, and Institute for Planning and Development founder Dr. Suzanne Zoglio, wrote, Nothing reduces trust in a group faster than members saying one thing within the group and something else outside the group. When members are assertive enough to say what they need to say directly to the appropriate people and to refrain from talking behind each other's backs, trust is enhanced. End quote. Team members may respond to other team members they do not trust by alienating them, ignoring their inputs, and withholding vital information. Trust is important in creating a healthy team because information needs to be shared and accepted in good faith. Feedback must also be exchanged between members in an open and sincere manner without fear of harsh criticism. Without trust, a team's efforts can be sabotaged and progress brought to a grinding halt. Leaders can promote a trusting atmosphere by being trustworthy and by trusting their workers. Additionally, by valuing individual differences and encouraging open and honest communication, leaders empower their teams to solve problems innovatively through a shared sense of collaboration that is free of self preservation and one's own personal interest. While there are many strategies that can be utilized for building trust within a team, 
Leaders should focus their efforts on leading by example and developing a trusting relationship within the team. Communicate openly and honestly. Know team members and establish a good rapport with team members. Discourage cliques or divisions within the team. And finally, discuss trust issues with the team. Remember, trust is earned and can be lost. Ethical Behavior We lose trust in people because of behaviors that reduce our respect for them. Such behaviors are usually unethical and kill the spirit of the team. Ethical behaviors, on the other hand, conform to accepted principles of right and wrong that govern our profession. Team members who exhibit honesty, integrity, and concern for doing what is right behave ethically. In his book, Essentials of Management, author and professor of management, College of Business at Rochester Institute of Technology, Andrew J. Jabrin said, quote, To a strong team player, getting the group task accomplished is more important than receiving individual recognition. End quote. He also outlined the underlying reasons as to why unethical behavior arises in the team. The primary cause can be closely contributed to one's values. Ethics and values operate as a synchronous unit and is often driven by individual personal interests within the team. Teams will often experience turmoil when self-interest or greed enters the team. Unconscious biases may lead to stereotypes and affect the judgments of the team. And the likelihood that a team may rationalize or make unethical decisions to complete the task or reach their goal. When teams operate with high standards and moral values, they increase trust and therefore work cohesively. Sharing information If teams are to succeed, they must openly share information inside and outside the group. This sharing of information involves both active listening and talking. According to Professor Dubreen, quote, information sharing helps other team members do their job well and also communicates concern for their welfare, end quote. Leaders best demonstrate concern for the welfare of other team members when they actively listen. The active listener strives to grasp both the facts and feelings behind what is being said, Professor Dubrin added. Active listening and information sharing encourage positive, open, and sincere communication among team members. Teams must communicate. Team members need to safely assert themselves and share their ideas. Teams that don't allow honest, open sharing quickly lose their effectiveness. As a result, some team members may purposefully withhold vital information or disengage from the team. This may cause confusion, frustration, and the inability to complete tasks within teams. While sharing information between team members is essential in producing effective, well-thought-out plans. Also essential is for the leader to share information with team members. When leaders hold on to information, they can create an inaccurate, incomplete, or totally wrong picture of the expected outcome to team members. Information sharing yields better results. Leaders can increase team success by giving members complete access to all necessary data, discouraging the discounting of ideas and feelings, and encouraging the practice of active listening and valuing individual differences. Critical Judgment When we share information, someone is bound to criticize our ideas. For a team to be effective, constructive criticism should be accepted and encouraged. 
Professor DeBrin said, quote, A high-performance team demands sincere and tactful criticism among members. The willingness to accept constructive criticism increases self-awareness and improves team effectiveness. End quote. Critical judgment enables teams to accept intragroup feedback or criticism and outside evaluations necessary to examine processes and practices. By using critical feedback, teams can redirect their focus and energy and correct problems quickly rather than letting them intensify. Giving constructive criticism occurs when teams focus on the problem or behavior and not necessarily personal opinions. When the negative feedback is given at the appropriate time and is not introduced during a later stage of team development, and lastly, when the individual is given an opportunity to observe and self-correct the problem. Critical judgment is essential to ensure teams consistently focus in the right direction. Cooperation Cooperation is critical if teams are to combine diverse backgrounds, skills, and approaches to meet the challenges, customer requirements, and mission changes. Cooperation yields synergistic results and reduces the time it takes to reach a desired outcome. Dr. Zoglio said, quote, At work, there are so few solo opportunities. Most challenges require the cooperation of many people. Team members must rely on each other to follow through on assignments, produce quality results, share creative ideas, and contribute to a pleasant work environment. Leaders who encourage cooperation show team members that others have very important contributions to the goals of the unit. Team members may also come to understand how dependent they are on one another in reaching mission objectives. Dr. Zoglio further states that successful teams manage differences through win-win negotiating and reach decisions by consensus rather than voting. Successful teams have few turf wars, little competitiveness, and an ability to forgive and forget. Cooperation breeds shared ownership for performance results, and achieving objectives increases team pride and a healthy team spirit. Conversely, competition hinders the cooperative process, as some team members attempt to outshine others to gain extra attention. Such all-starring leads to infighting, making the team less productive. All-starring may also be evidence of a power struggle. To reduce power play behavior, leaders should re-emphasize each team member's specific roles and responsibilities, which eliminates potential barriers to cooperation. Healthy Team Spirit Summary Cultivating a healthy team spirit requires trust, ethical behavior, critical judgment, sharing, and cooperation. Trust is at the heart of any healthy team interaction. Team members must feel comfortable with and confident in one another to be able to fully participate and share their ideas and feelings. Positive group member behaviors establish the climate of trust needed to develop a healthy team spirit. Ethical behavior requires members do what is legally, morally, and professionally right for one another and the organization. Such behavior is essential to the communication a team needs to accomplish its goals. Leaders must establish a healthy team spirit to drive performance and develop effective teams to accomplish the mission. Section 13C. Managing Resources Other Than Personnel Resource Management System 
Resource Management System Defined Resource Management System does not refer to a single system. Instead, the Air Force Resource Management System involves various systems focusing on outputs and resources used, managers effectively using resources, measuring actual performance compared to planned performance, and using financial plans and accounting to enhance management controls at each organizational level. The resource management system provides a way to establish priorities, choose policies, and act to get the desired results and required resources at an acceptable cost. Resource management system elements include the execution plan, management and accounting systems, participatory and committee management, resource management teams, and resource management training. Resource management system duties. Air Force managers oversee activities that cost money. However, in terms of resources, resource management system duties refer to the stewardship of money, manpower, and equipment. Being an effective steward involves more than legal accountability. Headquarters, United States Air Force, and major commands make decisions about using resources. Although base-level resource managers do not control initial allocation of all their resources, they must effectively manage these resources. Commanders Financial management is inherent to command. Commanders review, validate, and balance the execution plan to ensure successful financial management. They must actively review financial programs for each work center, responsibility center, that reports to them, and improve resource management by inquiring about program conditions, reviewing causes, weighing alternatives, and directing action. They must also ensure resource management system success by allocating sufficient resources to resource management system training and resource management team efforts. Comptrollers Comptrollers support the organization's mission and the Air Force by providing sound financial management and advice to the commander and staff. They promote responsible and proper financial management to ensure economical and efficient use of resources consistent with statutory and regulatory requirements. They apply policies and procedures that enable the organization to carry out accounting, budget, and cost functions. Responsibility Center Managers Responsibility Center Managers plan, direct, and coordinate subordinate organizations' activities. They analyze subordinate organizational plans, identify imbalances in resource distribution, analyze alternative actions, and balance programs. Cost Center Managers The Cost Center is the basic production flight or work center. The Cost Center Manager regulates the consumption of work hours, supplies, equipment, and services to do the tasks within their Cost Center. Cost center managers shift resources to or from various production tasks within the cost center to ensure the proper mix or to provide the emphasis required. Resource advisors. Resource advisors monitor and help prepare resource estimates. They help develop obligations and expense fund targets, monitor the use of resources in daily operations compared to projected consumption levels, and serve as the primary point of contacts on resource management matters pertaining to the Responsibility Center. Resource advisors are appointed in writing by the Responsibility Center Manager. The Financial Management Board Established by the senior or host commander at each base, 
the Financial Management Board determines program priorities and ensures effective allocation of resources. The Financial Management Board reviews and approves or disapproves recommendations made by the Financial Working Group to ensure balanced, valid financial programs and to consider all known or anticipated requirements. The Financial Working Group Composed of both line and staff resource advisors and responsibility center managers, the Financial Working Group manages commodities and resources integral to the operating activities of the base or unit. The Financial Working Group develops requirements and revisions for the base or unit execution plan, reviews all appropriated fund execution plans, and makes recommendations to the Financial Management Board for final approval. Additionally, the Financial Working Group presents recommendations to the Financial Management Board for unfunded requirement prioritization and fund target adjustments between responsibility centers and base-level budgetary guidance. The Financial Working Group provides technical guidance to base activities on using their primary responsibility resources. Effective Use of Government Property Supply Discipline Air Force members must have a supply discipline to conserve, protect, and maintain available government supplies, equipment, and real property for operational requirements. The Air Force's mission makes it imperative that all military and civilian personnel operate and maintain government systems, equipment, supplies, and real property in the best possible condition, in constant readiness, and in the absolute minimum quantity necessary to accomplish assigned tasks. Commanders and supervisors at all levels are responsible for prudent management, control, storage, and cost-effective use of government property under their control. Roles Commanders, subordinates, supervisors, and individuals must Accurately maintain property records to reflect a current inventory and condition of property Ensure personnel carefully and economically use and safeguard property Provide adequate security, protection, and storage for property. Make recommendations for preventing fraud, waste, and abuse. Custodial Management of Public Property A property custodian is any person designated by the organization commander or chief of staff agency responsible for government property in his or her possession. A custodian must plan and forecast requirements to meet mission goals, prepare and forward materiel requests to the proper agency, sign custody receipts or listings for property charged to his or her organization, report losses or irregularities relating to property to his or her immediate commanders or accountable officers, and take action to reconcile and correct property records. A custodian may be held liable for the loss, destruction, or damage of any property or resources under his or her control. Financial Management Use of Resources Air Force commanders and supervisors are responsible for the efficient and economical use of all resources in their organizations. Commanders and supervisors directly influence the budgeting, allocation, composition, and distribution of these resources. It should be noted that every Air Force member is directly involved in and responsible for managing resources. Cost-Free Resources In the following types of instances, everyone has a principal responsibility to ensure resources are used in the most cost-effective manner. Keep in mind, all Air Force resources, at one time or another, had some kind of cost charged to get into the Department of Defense inventory. 
Some resources may appear to be cost-free assets because airmen may not either control the determination or allocation of these resources, real property, weapon systems, and manpower, may not have the authority to change the mix of the total resources allocated. The Operating Budget The operating budget covers costs associated with the operation of all Air Force organizations. The approval by higher headquarters gives obligations authority to accomplish the mission. The budget program operates on a fiscal year basis. Fiscal year represents the period beginning the first day of October and ending the last day of the following September, 1 October through 30 September. Fraud, Waste, and Abuse Fraud, Waste, and Abuse Defined The Air Force loses millions of dollars in money and resources every year due to individuals abusing the system, wasting precious resources, and committing acts of fraud. Fraud, waste, and abuse is Fraud Any intentional deception designed to unlawfully deprive the Air Force of something of value or to secure from the Air Force for an individual a benefit, privilege, allowance, or consideration to which he or she is not entitled. Such practices include, but are not limited to, offering, paying, accepting bribes or gratuities, or evading or corrupting inspectors or other officials making false statements, submitting false claims, or using false weights or measures, using deceit either by suppressing the truth or misrepresenting material facts, or deprive the Air Force of something of value, adulterating or substituting materials, and falsifying records and books of accounts, conspiring to carry out any of the actions in paragraphs 13.12.1.1.1 through 13.12.1.1.4. Engaging in conflict of interest cases, criminal irregularities, and the unauthorized disclosure of official information relating to procurement and disposal matters. Note, for the purposes of this handbook, the definition can include any theft or diversion of resources for personal or commercial gain. Waste, the extravagant, careless, or needless expenditure of Air Force funds, or the consumption of Air Force property that results from deficient practices, system controls, or decisions is waste. Waste also includes improper practices not involving prosecutable fraud. Note, consider wartime and emergency operations when explaining possible waste. For example, legitimate stockpiles and reserves for wartime needs, which may appear redundant and costly, are not considered waste. Abuse The intentionally wrongful or improper use of Air Force resources is abuse. Examples include misuse of rank, position, or authority that causes the loss or misuse of resources such as tools, vehicles, computers, or copy machines. Preventing Fraud, Waste, and Abuse Preventing fraud, waste, and abuse is of primary concern. Detection and prosecution serve to deter fraudulent, wasteful, or abusive practices. However, the key element of the program is to prevent the loss of resources. The Secretary of the Air Force, Inspector General, provides policy guidance, develops procedures, and establishes and evaluates the Air Force complaints and fraud, waste, and abuse programs. In turn, inspector generals at every level are responsible for establishing and directing the Air Force complaints and fraud waste, and abuse programs. 
Air Force personnel have a duty to promptly report fraud, waste, and abuse to an appropriate supervisor or commander, to an inspector general or other appropriate inspector, or through an established grievance channel. Fraud, waste, and abuse complaints may be reported to the Air Force Audit Agency, the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, Security Forces, or other proper authorities. Further, all military and civilian members must promptly advise the Air Force Office of Special Investigations of suspected criminal misconduct or fraud. The Air Force Office of Special Investigations investigates criminal allegations. Fraud, Waste, and Abuse Complaints Resolution As with personal complaints, Air Force members should try resolving fraud, waste, and abuse issues at the lowest possible level, using command channels, before addressing them to a higher level or the Inspector General. Individuals may submit fraud, waste, and abuse disclosures by memorandum, in person, or by fraud, waste, and abuse hotlines, complaints anonymously, Note, making a disclosure or complaint requires factual, unbiased, and specific information. Individuals must understand they are submitting official statements within Air Force channels. Therefore, they remain subject to punitive action or adverse administrative action for knowingly making false statements and for submitting other unlawful communications. Information in a disclosure or complaint to an inspector general is protected. Complainant Privacy The complainant's privacy is safeguarded to the maximum extent practicable to encourage voluntary cooperation and promote a climate of openness in identifying issues requiring leadership intervention. The Inspector General has the responsibility to safeguard the personal identity and complaints of individuals seeking assistance or participating in an Inspector General process, such as an investigation. While this does not mean the communications made to an inspector general are privileged or confidential, it does mean that disclosure of those communications and the identity of the communicant is strictly limited to an official need-to-know basis. Disclosure This information is not disclosed unless required by law or regulation when necessary to take adverse action against a subject with the approval of the Secretary of the Air Force Inspector General. Summary of the Results Individuals making a complaint may request a summary of the results from the office to which the complaint was made. However, witnesses, including complainants and subjects, do not have unrestricted access to reports, complainants and subjects, or any other case file information by virtue of their status as a witness. They have access to Inspector General records as provided for by the Freedom of Information Act and Privacy Act. Whistleblower Rights Whistleblower witnesses have additional rights. The nature of the allegation and findings will determine what information is releasable. All information released is according to the Freedom of Information Act and Privacy Act. Third-party complainants are not entitled to a response regarding alleged wrongs not directly affecting them unless authorized to receive via a Freedom of Information Act or a Privacy Act release. Inspector General Channels If the Inspector General receives a complaint or disclosure more appropriate for another channel, may be referred to that channel by the receiving Inspector General. When Inspectors General refer complaints to command or other more appropriate resolution channels, Inspectors General notify complainants of the referral, except for anonymous complainants. 
Air Force environmental commitments. Leadership at all levels and across all mission operations and support organizations must use the Air Force Environmental Management System's approach to comply with environmental laws, regulations, and policy, reduce risks to the mission, and continuously improve environmental management performance. Operationalizing environmental management means ensuring that environmental quality is a consideration by airmen in all activities the Air Force undertakes. General Carol H. Chandler, Vice Chief of Staff, Terry A. Yonkers, Assistant Secretary, Installations, Environment, and Logistics. Air Force Policy The United States Air Force is a leader and devoted guardian of the environment. As trustee to over 8 million acres of natural habitat, the Air Force takes considerable measures to defend and enhance America's rich natural resources and cultural heritage. Over the last 20 years, the Air Force has followed a compliance-based approach to environmental management, resulting in an unparalleled record of responsiveness to regulation, community interests, and ecological needs. Yet, to meet current and future mission requirements, the Air Force Environmental Program must ensure environmental resources, such as air, land, and water, are available to meet operational needs. This approach allows the Air Force to sustain, restore, and modernize their environmental resources, or natural infrastructure, in full compliance and support of military readiness challenges. Department of Defense and Air Force Programs Per Executive Order 13693, Planning for Federal Sustainability in the Next Decade, the Department of Defense and Air Force established and maintained an environmental management system. In accordance with Executive Order 13693, the Air Force will continue to implement and maintain environmental management system to achieve the performance necessary to sustain compliance, reduce risk, and continuously improve to achieve sustainability goals. AFI 32-7001, Environmental Management, implements the Environmental Management System Framework and provides guidance and procedures applicable to all Air Force installations within the United States to include the territories and in foreign countries. See Figure 13.1 for the Environmental Management System Vision, Programs, and Guidance. The Environmental Management System sustains and enhances mission capability by Maintaining compliance with all applicable environmental laws, regulations, and policy requirements. Typically, installations will meet Environmental Code of Federal Regulations promulgated by the Environmental Protection Agency and implemented by the states. Reducing compliance burden by implementing pollution prevention solutions that reduce the quantity and impact of pollutants. Sustaining natural, cultural, built, and human resources. Incorporating Environmental Management System and Environmental, Safety, and Occupational Health Considerations into Installation Air Force Smart Operations 21 Lean Events to Improve Mission Capacity and Prevent Waste. Providing Community Outreach to Increase Awareness of Environmental Issues. Incorporating Environmental Management System Elements into Specific Operations of Appropriate Organizational Levels and Installations. Meeting or exceeding current Office of Management and Budget, Department of Defense, and Air Force performance measures. Air Force Planning The Air Force Environmental Management System will integrate environmental impact analysis, operational risk management, and prevention of pollution methodologies, 
In order to institute sustainable practices across the Air Force mission and reduce both environmental risk and the Air Force's environmental footprint and accommodate new mission as required. Key actions for installation or major command organizations include documenting aspects and impacts for the installation's activities, products, and services. Aspects are elements of the activities, products, and services that can interact with the environment and produce either a negative or positive environmental impact. For aspects classified as significant, ensure actions to formally manage as part of the environmental management system, including setting objectives and targets and establishing action plans. This helps identify the investment to resource. The environmental programming and budgeting process provides the necessary resources to achieve the goals and objectives of the Air Force Strategic Plan, the organizational level, multi-site or installation environmental management system, or other major program objectives. Environmental requirements are entered into Air Force-approved programming tools or software, following civil engineering operations and maintenance programming guides, and supplemental budgeting policy and guidance. Air Force Operational Controls Performance Monitoring Installations shall ensure adequate operational controls are in place to control, mitigate, or prevent negative environmental impacts. Operational controls may be physical, such as barrier, secondary containment, engineering, such as alarm system, or administrative, such as standard operating procedure, management plan, checklist. Develop and implement procedures to prevent noncompliance, adverse environmental impacts, and or to achieve stated objectives and targets or performance measures. Implement environmental monitoring and performance measures to ensure an environmental self-assessment process to maintain compliance and improve business processes. Ensure self-assessment of all environmental aspects of recurring business processes and readiness for inspections under the Commander's Self-Inspection and Air Force Inspector General's Unit Effectiveness Inspection Programs in accordance with AFI 90-201, the Air Force Inspection System. Section 13D. Planning, Programming, Budgeting, and Execution Planning, Programming, Budgeting, and Execution Philosophy The ultimate objective of the planning, programming, budgeting, and execution process is to provide the best mix of forces, equipment, manpower, and support attainable within fiscal constraints, according to Department of Defense Directive 7045.14, the Planning, Programming, Budgeting, and Execution, or PPBE, process. The goal of the planning, programming, budgeting, and execution process is to achieve the defense objectives established by the President and the Secretary of Defense in the Strategic Planning and Joint Planning Guidance. The Air Force uses a unique process for implementing the planning, programming, budgeting, and execution, the Air Force corporate structure. This structure increases management effectiveness by applying judgment and experience to programs, resource limitations, and other program adjustments. This enables senior leadership to assess alternative ways to achieve the planning, programming, budgeting, and execution objective. The Air Force develops their program to achieve defense objectives established by the President and the Secretary of Defense, as well as internal Air Force strategic planning objectives. The formulation of the Air Force budget is a complicated and time-consuming endeavor. 
Planning, programming, budgeting, and execution is a shared process within the Air Force, with significant responsibility delegated to the Director of Programs, Deputy Chief of Staff for Plans and Programs, AF-A8P, and the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Budget, Office of the Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Financial Management, and Comptroller, SAF-FMB. Planning, Programming, Budgeting, and Execution Process The planning, programming, budgeting, and execution process is the Department of Defense's resource allocation system. This process has a framework that decides on future capabilities and provides an opportunity to re-examine prior decisions in light of evolving threats, economic conditions, and security concerns. Finally, planning, programming, budgeting, and execution is an iterative process consisting of four interrelated and overlapping phases, planning, programming, budgeting, and execution. Planning The Air Force translates top-down guidance into meaningful plans and requirements for which a program for the future year's defense program can be developed. Planning defines and examines alternative strategies and analyzes external conditions and trends. Planning provides the means to anticipate changes and understand the long-term implications of near-term choices and decisions. Streamlined planning and assessment documents help prioritize objectives, assess strategies, and provide the link between planning and programming. Within the concept of planning, programming, budgeting, and execution, Planning also provides a program objective against which the Air Force can measure program execution success. Programming Through the programming processes, the Air Force and other military departments link planned requirements with the resources needed to provide them. Inevitably, this will involve trade-offs beyond those agreed to in the planning process. By programming, the Air Force matches available resources, fiscal, manpower, and materiel, against validated requirements to achieve the strategic plan and submit program proposals. Planning policies and guidance are addressed and initial program costs are established. The key objective of programming is to develop a balanced, capabilities-based Air Force program in the form of the Air Force Program Objective Memorandum. In addition, through the programming processes, the Air Force defends the Program Objective Memorandum during program review and budget review and adjusts the program as a result of the Office of Secretary of Defense reviews and changing national and international situations. Budgeting The budgeting phase of planning, programming, budgeting, and execution occurs concurrently with the programming phase. Each Department of Defense component submits a proposed budget estimate simultaneously with a program objective memorandum. The budgeting phase, formulation and justification, provides a platform for a detailed review of a program's pricing, phasing, and overall capability to be executed on time and within budget. The budgeting process principally addresses the years to be justified in the President's budget. Three things happen in the preparation of the budget estimate submission. First, Air Force budget analysts identify situations where the program has put Air Force resources at risk of the Office of the Secretary of Defense or Congressional Reduction. Second, the Comptroller applies the latest inflation figures, flying hour and manpower rates, etc. Third, the program is put into the Office of the Secretary of Defense budget format and budget justification documentation is prepared. 
Once these steps are complete, the final position is called the Program Objective Memorandum Budget Estimate Submission or Program Budget Review. The budgeting phase continues with the Program Budget Review Submission and Fact of Life Changes via Notification Document in the off year. Secretary of the Air Force for Financial Management and Comptroller is the Air Force lead for budget and budget execution. Budget execution. Budget execution focuses on running the Air Force day to day. Execution is carried out at the Headquarters Air Force, Field Operating Agency, Major Command, Primary Support Unit, Wing, and Unit level. The Air Force major commands, including the Headquarters Air Force, are allocated their share of obligation authority to execute their missions in accordance to approved integrated priority lists for those programs that are centrally managed. Because the budget being executed in any given year was actually compiled over a year earlier, you should logically assume some assumptions on which the budget was based will have changed. Because change is anticipated, Congress allows some flexibility within the operating budgets to move resources without requiring their permission, but installations are expected to execute to the integrated priority list for centrally managed programs. One key part of budget execution is the Major Command's Operations and Maintenance Operation Plan. Air Force program execution is reviewed during Major Command budget execution reviews in February, April, concurrent with the Internal Air Force Mid-Year Review, and July. Planning, Programming, Budgeting, and Execution Summary Every leader contributes to the planning, programming, budgeting, and execution process. Within this system, leaders help establish and forecast a budget to ensure sufficient funds are available to accomplish the mission. Thoughtful and accurate estimates on the local level are extremely important in reflecting the overall Air Force needs. Wise day-to-day resource management is essential to having an effective planning, programming, budgeting, and execution process. Section 13E. Manpower Management and Competitive Sourcing. Manpower Resources. Manpower is a constrained resource that comprises a large portion of the Air Force budget. All missions and programs compete for limited authorized military and civilian end strength, established grade distributions, and must comply with other guidelines as directed by Congress. Manpower must be programmed in accordance with validated manpower requirements and within fiscal limits and acceptable risk identified in defense planning and programming guidance. Chain of Responsibilities The Directorate of Manpower, Organization, and Resources, Program Development Division, Headquarters Air Force, slash A1MP, allocates programmed manpower resources by command identifier, program element code, resource identification code, and country state code to the commands directing implementation of approved programs. Major commands and equivalents translate these manpower resources into manpower authorizations by updating the unit manpower document. The installation manpower and organization flight is the liaison between installation agencies and the major command A1M staff for all manpower and organization issues. Manpower resource levels. Changing manpower allocations. Command-specific military and civilian manpower requirements must be validated by the Major Command A1M and approved by Headquarters Air Force A1M before they can be used in the programming and resourcing process. Before manpower allocations can be changed, 
the requesting organization must give reasons for the requested change. The major command must propose specific trade-offs if the initiative requires an increase in military or civilian manpower. Accommodating temporary manpower requirements. End strength will not be programmed to accommodate cyclical or temporary requirements. Instead, major commands and equivalents should use other means to accomplish their short-term mission or surge workload to include 1. Use available funds and command civilian employment plans to employ civilians. 2. Utilize overtime, temporary full-time, part-time, or overhire of civilian personnel. 3. Seek support from the Air Reserve component via military pay appropriation funds. 4. Utilize temporary duty military and civilian personnel. and 5. Seek contract service. Requirements Determination General Concept Manpower and organization flight personnel assist Air Force commanders and functional managers at all levels in mission accomplishment by objectively quantifying manpower requirements for the distribution of Air Force manpower resources. Key services of this competency include peacetime manpower standards development, wartime manpower requirements, and commercial services management actions, for example, public-private competition, insourcing, and business process reengineering. The foundation of any manpower requirements determination effort is the application of continuous process improvement methodologies to a function's processes to make process improvements. Determining Manpower Requirements The Air Force Manpower Requirements Determination Process systematically identifies minimum essential manpower required for the most effective and economical accomplishment of approved missions and functions within organizational and resource constraints. To accomplish this, Headquarters Air Force Functional Managers work with Headquarters Air Force A1M to determine the appropriate manpower management tool consistent with resources needed to develop the manpower standard the required mix of military, civilian, and or contract services, and the required military category, officer or enlisted, and grade. Determining the correct amount of military manpower required to meet the Air Force's most stringent wartime missions is key to achieving the National Military Strategy and the Defense Planning Guidance. The Defense Planning Guidance defines the planning scenarios used to size and shape the total force. These include the amount of military needed for deployment and fight-in-place missions for the given scenario. Manpower requirements are sized for the most demanding phase of the scenario construct, including all rotational forces needed for prolonged conflicts. These scenarios drive force structure and manpower military mix budgeting decisions. Organization The Air Force must be organized to best use available resources. This requires simple, streamlined structures designed for seamless transition from peace to war. The principal characteristics desired in Air Force organizations include mission orientation, unambiguous command, decentralization, agility, flexibility, simplicity, and standardization. Manpower standards are established to ensure work center operations are efficient and standardized to create the most efficient organization. The ultimate goal of organizational performance is mission accomplishment. Resource requirements reflected in a manpower standard should be based on organization and process design, which most effectively and efficiently accomplishes the mission. 
Improving mission effectiveness while maintaining or improving efficiency should be the goal of any modification to a function's current organizational or process design. Efficiency does not necessarily mean decreasing resources, but rather improving the return on the resources used. Performance Improvement Improving performance requires both planning and execution. For organizational change effort effectiveness, they generally must include some redesign and or coordination on five fronts. These fronts are related organizational areas to consider. A change on one front may require actions or changes on another. For example, changing a process may also require some training or retraining people front. The process improvement may affect how technology is used, technology front, or the process design may require updates to regulations, policy, legislation, regulation front. The five fronts, see figure 13.2, are Organization and people Human resources are the key to future viability and organizational growth in a continuously learning environment. Although processes and other front factors may change, focus should remain on providing workers with appropriate knowledge, skills, experiences, and tools. This will empower them to learn and act, which will tie their rewards to the organization's values and measures. Technology Technology is a crucial enabling factor that allows compression of cycles, lead time, distance, and broader access to information and knowledge assets. Technology also eliminates barriers between customers and suppliers. Policies, legislation, and regulations. Changing existing policies, regulations, and legislation may be required for new processes. Physical infrastructure. The physical facilities, equipment, and tools should be designed to support and maximize changes in workflow, information technology, and human resources. Process. The flow of work and information into and throughout the organization must be redesigned using standard continuous process improvement methodologies like business process engineering, lean, six sigma, and theory of constraints. See figure 13.2, performance improvement fronts. Unit manpower document. The unit manning document used to help manage manpower resources is a computer product that lists unit-funded and unfunded manpower requirements and contains many data elements that identify the unique position attributes. These attributes include position number, Air Force specialty code, functional account code, office symbol code, grade, personnel accounting symbol, reason code, etc. The unit manning document is the primary document that reflects the manpower required to accomplish the unit mission. The installation manpower and organization office will periodically, or upon request, supply a unit with an updated unit manning document. Supervisors should routinely check the unit manning document for accuracy and use it to track their authorized manpower strength. Headquarters Air Force A1M and the Air Force Manpower Analysis Agency often produce reports based on unit manning document data. Continuous review of coding is critical for proper position management. See figure 13.3. Manpower Management for Senior Leaders Keeping Unit Manpower Documents Current The Unit Manpower Document displays current and projected requirements and can be configured to display desired fields in various formats. 
Unit commanders and supervisors may request a unit manpower document from the installation manpower and organization flight on an as-needed basis. Typically, the unit manpower point of contact serves as the liaison between the unit and manpower and organization flight. Thus, work center supervisors should coordinate any unit manpower document change, etc., with their unit manpower point of contact. Funded and Unfunded Requirements and the Enlisted Grades Allocation Program The terms manpower requirements and manpower authorization are often misunderstood. A manpower requirement is a statement of manpower needed to accomplish a job, workload, mission, or program. The two types of manpower requirements are funded and unfunded. Funded manpower requirements are those that have been validated and allocated. Funded manpower requirements are also known as authorizations. Unfunded requirements are validated manpower needs that are deferred because of budgetary constraints. Some actions not only affect authorization levels, but can also impact funded grades. The Enlisted Grades Allocation Program is designed to ensure enlisted grades are equitably allocated to Headquarters Air Force, major commands, field operating agencies, and direct reporting units, and at the same time not exceed constraints. A grade imbalance between what is required and what is funded, authorized, can occur as a result of legislative and budgetary constraints on the allocated grades. For example, chief master sergeants are constrained to 1% of the total enlisted force. Headquarters Air Force implements congressional and Department of Defense grade constraints by creating grade factors. Two types of factors created and distributed are 1. Overall command grade factors for each enlisted grade and 2. Career progression group factors for each Air Force specialty code to the first three digits. Command grade factors ensure authorized grades do not exceed command ceiling constraints. The career progression group factors ensure equitable allocation of the grades within each Air Force specialty code in each command. Both types of factors are applied to the budgeted end strength. Air Force career field managers can recommend adjustments to Headquarters Air Force A1M, Directorate of Manpower, Organization, and Resources. When making adjustments, they must maintain a zero balance of total grades allocated for each command. Commands may engage in grade swaps via the Air Force Career Field Manager, which in turn may impact the respective factors. The factors themselves cannot be swapped. Initiating and Tracking Manpower Changes Periodically, a unit may need to change an existing requirement on the unit manning document. An authorization change request, may also be referred to as manpower change request, is used to request this change. The unit point of contact identifies the requested change and provides detailed justification to the servicing manpower, organization, and resources flight. The manpower and organization section evaluates the request, enters it into the manpower programming and execution system, and makes a recommendation for approval or disapproval to the major command. Many actions necessitate an authorization change request. Some of the most frequent are Air Force specialty code changes, position realignments, redistribution of funding from a funded requirement to an unfunded requirement, and grade conversions. Many factors must be considered when a unit proposes a change. 
Common considerations include 1. Determining how the change affects the organizational structure. 2. Ensuring the manpower realignment does not exceed the requirements allowed by Air Force manpower standards. 3. Ensuring the requested change complies with current programming guidelines. And 4. Ensuring the requested change does not adversely impact the unit's ability to deploy or perform its wartime mission. Changes to the unit manning document must be processed within resource constraints, i.e. no net increases in resources, minus no net increase in resources, grades, etc. For example, if a unit wants to fund a position that is currently unfunded, a funded position must be identified for conversion to unfund and detailed rationale for the change provided. The servicing manpower and organization flight will work closely with the unit point of contact when developing an authorization change request. Unit commander approval of authorization change requests actions is required prior to submission of the authorization change request to the major command point of contact, with the exception of actions resulting from a public-private competition or an insourcing initiative. Approved changes to the unit manning document are reflected by an authorization change notice generated by the manpower programming and execution system. The authorization change notice provides details of the approved change and the rationale for the change. The manpower and organization flight will, in turn, provide a copy of the authorization change notice to the affected unit's point of contact. If the request is disapproved, the major command provides rationale to the submitting unit through the servicing manpower and organization flight. Manpower and Organization Flight The installation manpower and organization flight performs a variety of functions to help effectively manage manpower resources. The core competencies of the manpower and organization flight encompass organizational structure, requirement determination, program allocation and control, and process improvement. Personnel within the manpower and organization flight provide day-to-day manpower resource management services to include unit manning document management, assisting with authorization change requests, authorization change notices, and organizational structure changes. Manpower and organization flight personnel also provide other management services, such as performance management, commercial activity services, airmen powered by innovation program, continuous process improvements, and management advisory studies. Commercial Services Management Purpose Commercial Services Management is a program designed to improve functions using a variety of management tools, including competitive sourcing, insourcing, and post-competition accountability. The three principal goals of commercial services management are to sustain readiness, improve performance and quality by doing business more efficiently and cost-effectively, and focus available personnel and resources on core Air Force missions. Commercial services management will not affect military essential skills or those functions that are inherently governmental. Military essential skills are defined as skills that directly contribute to the prosecution of war, combat or direct combat support, exercise uniform code of military justice authority, by law must be filled with military personnel, are military by custom or tradition, for example, bands and honor guards, are needed to support overseas rotations and to sustain certain career fields, are not available in the private sector.
inherently governmental function. The Federal Activities Inventory Reform Act of 1998 defines an inherently governmental function as one that is so intimately related to the public interest as to require performance by federal government employees. Functions may include the determination of budget policy, guidance, and strategy, the determination of the content and application of policies and regulations, the selection of individuals for federal government employment, and obligating money on behalf of the government. For example, warranted contracting officers are inherently governmental because they are responsible for making decisions on behalf of the government. They are the signature authority for committing government funds. The entire contracting staff, however, does not necessarily satisfy the same criteria. Contracting personnel who research and provide information, advice, etc. to the warranting contracting officers do not necessarily have to be government personnel. Competitive Sourcing Process AFI 38-203 Commercial Activities Program defines a structured process for determining whether to perform work in-house or through contract. Competitive Sourcing Study A competitive sourcing study is a public-private competition that compares the total cost of the in-house government operation of an activity to the total cost of private sector performance of the same activity. The study results determine whether a commercial activity can be done more economically and efficiently by contract or by an in-house workforce. During the competitive sourcing study, the in-house government operation is re-engineered into a most efficient organization and submitted in the competition as the agency's tender, which is the government's proposal for how it will perform the work. The process of developing a most efficient organization emphasizes innovation in meeting the requirements laid out in the solicitation for the work being completed. The most efficient organization is allowed latitude in its organization and processes outside of the standard Air Force structure to enable greater efficiency and effectiveness. Competitive Sourcing Impact Air Force policy is to minimize both the adverse effects on personnel and the disruption to the affected organizations. Adversely affected personnel are provided the right of first refusal for contractor jobs, for which they are qualified, in the event the government is unable to place them in other federal positions. Competitive sourcing generates savings by finding more efficient ways to accomplish a particular function. A competitive sourcing study also frees up military personnel to perform other core military essential activities. In a competitive sourcing study, the mission remains essentially unchanged. The composition of the workforce is what changes. Where blue suitors were initially performing the mission, the resulting service provider will be made up of either civil servants or private sector contract employees. Insourcing Origin and Authorization Insourcing is the conversion of a contracted function to Department of Defense civilian or military performance, or any combination thereof. Although OMB Circular A-76 provides a structured process for converting contracts to in-house performance through public-private competition, 10 United States Code Section 2463, Guidelines and Procedures for Use of Civilian Employees to Perform Department of Defense Functions, permits Department of Defense components to convert contracts without applying the circular's requirements. 10 United States Code, Section 2463, provides for special consideration to using Department of Defense civilian employees 
to perform any function that is currently performed by a contractor and meets any of the following criteria. Has been performed by Department of Defense civilian employees at any time during the previous 10 years. Is closely associated with the performance of an inherently governmental function. Has been performed pursuant to a contract awarded on a non-competitive basis. Has been determined by a contracting officer to have been performed poorly during the five years preceding the date of such determination because of excessive costs or inferior quality. Furthermore, in accordance with the Deputy Secretary of Defense Memorandum, insourcing contracted services implementation guidance, contracted functions found to be inherently governmental, exempt from contract performance, unauthorized personal services, or experiencing problems associated with contract administration shall be insourced regardless of cost. Insourcing Business Case Analysis An insourcing business case analysis compares the cost of a contracted function to the cost of Department of Defense civilian employees to perform the same activity. The business case analysis justifies the decision to insource when based on cost. Included in the business case analysis are certifications validating contract cost, in-house manning, available labor pool, and activity meets the requirements of a valid and enduring mission requirement. Installations and major commands develop business case analysis, and Air Force Manpower Analysis Agency validates business case analysis as part of the Air Force insourcing approval process. Cost models are built using Compare, an Air Force Manpower Analysis Agency-provided tool that incorporates guidance and factors to estimating and comparing the full costs of civilian and military manpower and contract support. If new or expanded requirements or functions performed under contract are determined to be inherently governmental or exempt from private sector performance for reasons stated in DODI 1100.22, Policy and Procedures for Determining Workforce Mix, the function shall be converted to government performance without an economic analysis. In all other cases, a cost comparison is required and serves as the key component of the business case analysis. Responsibilities Headquarters Air Force A1M is responsible for implementing the Air Force Commercial Services Management Program. Air Force Manpower Analysis Agency develops and maintains tools, templates, and guidebooks to enable the field to execute the program, administers the inherently governmental or commercial activities inventory, monitors post-competition accountability, and provides field support on commercial services management initiatives. Major Command A1M is the manpower function responsible for providing commercial services management oversight at command levels and providing guidance to manpower and organization flights for implementation of the Commercial Services Management Program at the respective wings. Section 13F. Government Property and Equipment. General Responsibilities. The Air Force mission requires that all military and civilian personnel operate and maintain government systems, equipment, supplies, and real property in the best possible condition, in constant readiness, and in the absolute minimum quantity necessary to accomplish assigned tasks. Commanders must manage public property under their control, including proper care and use, provide instructions to subordinates on their specific responsibilities, and maintain records that may be audited. 
Commanders and supervisors establish controls to eliminate uneconomical equipment management, ensure all personnel are taught proper care and safeguard principles, and enforce these principles. Logistics readiness squadrons offer training on a variety of topics for different management levels. Commanders appoint representatives and ensure the representatives attend the proper training. For example, primary and alternate equipment custodians attend mandatory Block 3 computer-based training, accompanied by a supplemental Block 3 training provided by the Logistics Readiness Squadron's equipment accountability element. The Air Force Equipment Management System provides a standard equipment management system applicable to all Air Force activities. This system is web-enabled and requires a password for access. Air Force Equipment Management System provides worldwide visibility of all in-use and warehoused equipment assets and is used to report capitalized asset depreciation, determine equipment requirements based on Air Force allowance standards, support the budget and buy program, and report equipment types and quantities required to accomplish the mission. The allowance standards are provided both online in the Air Force Equipment Management System and offline via compact disc. The allowance standards include specific items and authorized quantities required for the wartime and peacetime needs of each unit. Property Accounting The organization commander or equivalent designates a property custodian for government property used by the unit and listed on allowance standard documents. Upon assuming responsibility and at least annually, the designated property custodian must perform an inventory of all assets. The custodian signs the custodian authorization or custody receipt listing, acknowledging completion of the inventory and signifying all items listed are being used properly and maintained in serviceable condition. After the inventory is completed, the custodian signs the acknowledgement of responsibility block, which allows the custodian to become accountable for the property physically in possession then obtains the commander's signature as validation that the inventory took place and actions are underway to resolve discrepancies. The property custodian is relieved of responsibility only when the account is transferred to another custodian, issues or turns in items, and obtains a signed receipt or provides authorized adjustment documents, turn-in receipts, transfer documents, etc. Report of Survey A report of survey is used to research and investigate the cause of loss, damage, destruction, or theft of government property, and to determine if the cause of loss was attributable to an individual's negligence or abuse. The final report is used to assess financial liability against the persons responsible or to relieve them from liability if there is no evidence of negligence, willful misconduct, or deliberate unauthorized use of the property. The report of survey also serves as a source document to adjust accountable records and provides a tool for commanders to identify deficiencies requiring corrective action to prevent recurring incidents. AFMAN 23-220, Reports of Survey for Air Force Property, identifies procedures for processing a report of survey and implementing the report of survey program. When to complete a report of survey With some exceptions, a report of survey must be completed for all government property lost, damaged, destroyed, or stolen. The property can be real or personal. Air Force real property includes buildings and items attached to them, such as air conditioners and compressors. 
Anything not real property, such as parkas, tools, desks, equipment, and vehicles, is personal property. A report of survey is not necessary when the individual responsible for the loss or damage makes voluntary payments and loss, damage, destruction, or theft of property is $500 or less. This policy does not prevent the initiation of a report of survey if the loss is less than $500, evidence of negligence, or a systematic loss of property by the same individual over a period of time. Investigation of the loss, damage, or destruction of a vehicle indicates no evidence of gross negligence, willful misconduct, or deliberate unauthorized use. The commander may still take action against individuals in these cases using punitive or administrative options. Do not use assessment of financial liability as a form of disciplinary action. Initiating a report of survey. Generally, the organization possessing the lost or damaged property is responsible for initiating a report of survey even if the property is deployed or issued on a hand receipt outside the organization. Depending on the organizational structure, the commander normally initiates the proceedings by appointing an investigating official. The investigating official will be an officer, senior NCO, or civilian employee, general schedule-7, wage grade-9, wage leader-5, or wage supervisor-1 or above. The investigator must be a disinterested, impartial individual who has no interest or involvement in the custodianship, care, accountability, or safekeeping of the property in question. Report of Survey Investigation At a minimum, the investigating official will perform the following steps during an investigation. Develop the facts in the case which will lead to the findings and recommendations. The investigator must interview any persons with knowledge of the case if they are in the immediate area. This includes the person who may have lost, damaged, destroyed, or stolen the property. Obtain written statements from persons interviewed and obtained sworn statements in accordance with the Manual for Courts Martial, Appendix 2, Section 936. This section authorizes the investigator to swear witnesses. Ensure the findings and the recommendations are supported by the testimony of persons involved and that the testimony leads logically to the findings and recommendations. Determine if financial liability should be assessed based strictly on the facts and circumstances of the case. If financial liability is recommended based on value on the property involved and not the fact that financial liability generally is limited not to exceed one month's pay or by statements made to the investigating officer by the person involved and the assessment of financial liability will cause personal hardship. Note. Reducing the recommended assessment of financial liability is a command prerogative and not within the purview of the investigating officer. Liability All Air Force members and employees can be held liable for the loss, damage, or destruction of government property proximately caused by their negligence, willful misconduct, or deliberate, unauthorized use. Persons who have lost, damaged, destroyed, or stolen government property valued at $500 or less may voluntarily pay for the property. Processing the Report of Survey After the investigation is complete, the investigating official allows the persons involved to review the case and provide verbal or written information to refute the findings and recommendations. In the process of refuting the findings of a Report of Survey, an airman may seek advice from the local area defense council. 
The report of survey is then processed to the appointing authority to assign financial responsibility against the individual charged or relieve him or her from responsibility. If financial responsibility is assessed, refer the report of survey to the legal office for review. At the time the report of survey is submitted for acknowledgement by the individual charged, he or she is advised the report of survey action may be appealed to the next level in the chain of command above the person who assigned the financial liability assessment. Section 13G. Facility Management. Installation Commander Responsibilities. The installation commander has overall responsibility and accountability for the operation of an Air Force installation. The major command and installation commander, assisted by the base civil engineer, are responsible for the following. Develop, operate, maintain, and control the use of Air Force facilities in compliance with applicable Department of Defense and Air Force policies and procedures. Develop comprehensive asset management plans, identify facility life cycle requirements, implement applicable common levels of service, assess the impact of asset condition on mission support through the use of key performance indicators, and develop and execute real property construction, sustainment, restoration, and modernization programs. Responsibilities of the Using Organization Successful facility management relies heavily upon the Using Organization. The Using Organization's unit commander will ensure requirements for real property alterations, additions, or new construction are identified to the base civil engineer or wing commander when required. The unit commander designates, in writing, an officer, E-5 and above, or civilian equivalent, as primary and alternate facility managers for each facility assigned to the organization. In multipurpose facilities, the major user should be assigned as the primary facility manager. Other organizations using a portion of a multipurpose facility are encouraged to appoint an alternate facility manager for their respective area. Work that alters real property in any way, to include modifications or repair, requires approval from the base civil engineer. Facility managers submit work requests to the base civil engineer customer service unit utilizing established processes. The base civil engineer determines the execution method for work that is approved. Emergency work, defined as work that corrects an issue that poses an immediate threat to mission, life, safety, or health, will be identified to customer service units by the quickest means possible, to include verbal or phone communication. All other forms of work will be identified to the customer service unit by the facility manager utilizing the Air Force Form 332, Base Civil Engineer Work Request, or Designated Information Technology Systems. Base Civil Engineer Squadron Responsibilities The Base Civil Engineer is charged to provide, operate, maintain, restore, and protect the built and natural infrastructure necessary to support the Air Force mission. As such, the Base Civil Engineer serves as the focal point for all construction, sustainment, restoration, and modernization of facilities identified as real property and associated real property installed equipment. The base civil engineer's customer service unit typically manages the installation's facility manager program. They provide initial and recurring training for facility managers, which covers facility manager roles and responsibilities and identifies the processes and procedures required for submitting work requests. 
The base civil engineer's customer service unit receives and reviews all incoming work requests for validity, verifies scope, and ensures the work request is coordinated with the appropriate agencies, such as fire, safety, and environmental. If the work request is approved, it will be executed in-house by the operations flight or as a contract managed by the engineering flight. In-house work will be either direct scheduled or planned. Direct scheduled work does not need detailed planning and can be sent directly to the required shop for execution. An example of a direct scheduling work is fixing a leaky faucet. Planned work is typically more complex and requires detailed planning, scheduling of multiple shops, and lead time for material acquisition. An example of planned work is relocating a doorway and associated exit signs to accommodate the new layout. In-house work is prioritized for execution based on impact to the overall mission and as labor, materials, and funding become available. When work exceeds the scope or capability of the operation's flight, the work request will be classified as a project and sent to the base civil engineer's engineering flight, where it will compete against other projects for execution as a contract. The base civil engineer ensures changes to real property are captured and updated in the real property inventory. The real property inventory must be complete and up-to-date with source documentation for audit purposes to support financial improvements and audit readiness. Planning and Programming Facility Projects Planning refers to the identification of facility work to satisfy current and future mission requirements. The base civil engineer uses several methods to identify facility requirements, including annual space utilization surveys, biennial commander's facility assessments, environmental compliance status assessments, asset management plans, and user or occupant identified requirements. During programming, the authority and resources necessary to accomplish the planned work are acquired. After the requirements are identified, the base civil engineer develops facility project proposals and presents them to the installation commander for validation, prioritization, and approval by the proper authority. A key element of programming facility requirements is proper work classification. Work authorization, approval levels, and fund sources vary with work classification. Real property maintenance work is classified as maintenance, repair, or construction. Operations and maintenance appropriation funded on specified minor military construction projects may not exceed $1 million. The threshold for using operation and maintenance funding for laboratory revitalization on specified minor military construction projects is $4 million. Real Property Records Air Force leadership, Department of Defense, and Congress utilize real property inventory to make planning, programming, and budgeting decisions. The real property inventory forms an audit trail that begins when a facility is constructed and includes all costs for any alterations and improvements accomplished by military construction and minor construction to include self-help or government purchase card work. A complete real property inventory consists of all sites, lands, and facilities for which the Air Force has real property accountability, regardless of the organization using or funding the facility or land. Any activity leading to real property inventory additions, updates, or deletions must have proper approval documentation from the base civil engineer and filed with the real property officer as directed. In most instances, these actions are accomplished by the civil engineer squadron. 
However, when services are procured by government purchase card or other means, the facility manager will assist with accomplishing these actions. Section 13H Energy Conservation Program Air Force Need for Program The federal government, as the nation's largest energy consumer, must significantly improve their energy management in order to save taxpayer dollars and reduce emissions that contribute to air pollution and global climate change. In encouraging effective energy management in the federal government, the Energy Policy Act of 2005, the Security Act of 2007, and Executive Order 13693, Planning for Federal Sustainability in the Next Decade, strive to achieve the following goals. Energy Efficiency and Greenhouse Gases Reduction Goal Improve energy efficiency through reduction of facility energy intensity, British thermal units per year per square foot, by 2.5% annually through the end of fiscal year 2025, or a total of 25% by the end of fiscal year 2025, relative to Air Force energy use in fiscal year 2015. Continue to reduce facility energy intensity by 1.5% annually from fiscal year 2015 to fiscal year 2020, or a total of 37.5% relative to Air Force energy use in fiscal year 2003. Reduce greenhouse gas emissions 40% by fiscal year 2025 relative to a 2008 baseline for most facilities. Sustainable Design and Development All new construction and major renovation of facilities must comply with Air Force Sustainable Design and Development Policy to June 2011 and incorporate sustainable practices. These facilities must become net-zero energy facilities, renewable generation offsets all fossil fuel, by 2030. 15% of existing facility inventory must incorporate sustainable practices by the end of fiscal year 2025. Agency acquisition of goods and services must incorporate the use of sustainable environmental practices, including acquisition of bio-based, environmentally preferable, energy-efficient, water-efficient, and recycled content products. This includes the use of paper with at least 30% recycled content. Vehicles Petroleum consumption is to be reduced by 30% through the end of fiscal year 2025 as compared to fiscal year 2014. Alternative, non-petroleum-based fuel use is to be increased by 10% annually. Zero-emissions vehicles should account for 20% of all new agency passenger vehicle acquisitions by 2025. Renewable Energy The Energy Policy Act of 2005 established that in fiscal year 2007 through fiscal year 2009, 3% of electrical consumption be generated by renewable sources. In fiscal year 2010 through fiscal year 2012, 5% and 7.5% thereafter. Executive Order 13693 outlines the goal of 30% of facility electric consumption come from renewable sources by 2025, and Title X, United States Code Section 2911, Energy Performance Goals and Master Plan for the Department of Defense, sets a goal of 25% of electrical energy consumption generated by renewable sources by fiscal year 2025. Petroleum Through life-cycle cost-effective measures, each agency shall reduce the use of petroleum within its facilities. 
Agencies may accomplish this reduction by switching to a less greenhouse gas-intensive, non-petroleum energy source, such as synthetic or renewable energy sources. Electronic products Electronic products procured must be at least 95% compliant with Electronic Product Environmental Assessment Tool standards. Energy Star features of computers must be enabled. Use environmentally sound practices when disposing of electronic equipment. Source Energy The federal government shall strive to reduce total energy use and associated greenhouse gas and other air emissions as measured at the source. Water Conservation Beginning in fiscal year 2008, reduce potable water consumption intensity, gallons per square foot, relative to fiscal year 2007, through life cycle cost-effective measures by 2% annually through the end of fiscal year 2025, or 36% by the end of calendar year 2025. Reduce industrial, landscaping, and agricultural water consumption by 2% annually, or 30% by the end of fiscal year 2025, relative to a baseline of consumption in fiscal year 2010. Air Force Compliance with Policy Compliance with energy management policy is assessed by taking measurements in two areas, mobility energy and facility, utility, energy. Note, water usage is included in the definition of energy management. Mobility energy. The policy to reduce mobility energy will be assessed by measuring actual petroleum consumption. Consumption will be measured in barrels and include aircraft and vehicle operations. Facility energy. The policy to reduce facility energy will be assessed by measuring utility consumption to include electricity, coal, natural gas, petroleum, water, etc. Consumption will be measured in million British thermal units per square foot, or gallons per square foot, and will include all installation facilities except privatized housing and facilities meeting Department of Energy exclusion requirements. Conclusion With the constant emphasis on efficiency, the Air Force must get the greatest return from every investment. The Air Force invests in people and other resources, all of which must be managed wisely. This chapter provided an overview of responsibilities and outlined a few of the many Air Force management objectives. All supervisors, managers, and commanders are responsible for safeguarding Air Force resources and exercising sound resource management practices. Remember, the amount of money spent and the other resources used, manpower, facilities, affect the entire mission. Leaders have a daily role to play in the overall system. They must plan for future requirements and ensure allocated resources are used properly. If correctly accomplished, the result will be a stronger and more efficient Air Force.